Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to my favorite hour of the week. It is time for another live episode of 80s Wrestling, the podcast. My name is Jumpin' Jay, and as always, in the world of 80s wrestling, I am joined by the best there is, none other than Tommy Fierro. Tommy, how's your week going, brother? Crazy Jumpin' Jay, and I know yours is as well, and the reason why is because uh, I emailed you about 50 updates for our website yesterday, and uh, Jay is Jay really is the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be because he got them all up on the website yesterday. So we're going to announce a ton, and I mean a ton, of new virtual and in-store signings, uh, both for 80s Wrestling Con and the Wrestling Collector. Uh, as we mentioned in previous weeks, anyone that doesn't live in the New Jersey area and I have a wrestler at the store – you can order not only an autographed picture now, but we made an option where you can send in your own items to get signed by uh, the guys appearing at the store. So uh, a ton of new signings up on the website right now. Definitely go check them out. 80swrestlingcon.com. We'll be talking about that in a little bit. But uh, yeah, man, it was a crazy week here in New Jersey. We had a, a very, very busy weekend. We had Brutus the Barber Beefcake, and Greg the Hammer Valentine appearing at the Wrestling Collector on Sunday. Um, things got a little uh, a little complicated for a minute, Jay, because something happened with Greg Valentine's uh, airfare changing, so they couldn't go on at the same time, and then I had to open up the store early, and Greg had to go early, and then Brutus went in the afternoon. So and stuff like that unfortunately happens, but what was cool was, you know, people that did stay for both autographs as and Jay, they, they, and they want, if they wanted a dream team signed photo, Greg signed it in the morning. Then they came back in the afternoon for, for Brutus to sign it. But we had that on Sunday. And then Monday was the doctor of style slick. And I know that you definitely enjoyed that one day. And, and I got a lot of great feedback from uh, that signing on Monday. That signing was incredible because like we talked about, Last episode, Slick's one of these guys who played a big part in the 80s wrestling scene when I was tuning in, and then when he left the World Wrestling Federation, he kind of fell off my radar, and I didn't know where he was or what he was up to, and then boom, there he is in the flesh on my screen, thanks to Monday Night Virtual, dressed to the nines, looking sharp in his suit, telling stories about uh, the good old days, and I will tell you what. Something that always blows me away is how good these guys' memories are. He remembered certain arenas. He remembered conversations with certain wrestlers. It was like he just stepped out of the wrestling scene yesterday. It was so good to see him. He looks good. He sounds good. That, that was up there in one of my favorite Monday Night Virtual so far, Tommy. Excellent job on Monday let Night. Me, let, let me tell you something Tell me about a memory. Greg Valentine when I was talking to him at the store on Sunday, Jay, he remembered not only doing my convention in the past, because it was the day before WrestleMania 20, and it was a tribute to WrestleMania, where we brought in all the wrestlers from the first WrestleMania, but he remembered the town it was in. That's impressive. So it was 20... Well, it was 2004. So that was... Uh, yeah, that was, what, 17 years ago, and he remembered the town the convention's in. So that, that's impressive. 
it, it always boggles my mind because I equivalent it to like, if I run into somebody that I haven't seen since high school, I might remember the face, but chances are I'm not remembering the name. These guys are this far removed from certain towns. And like you said, they remember the town and the experience they had in it. I'm always impressed by that. It's so much fun to listen to these guys tell tales of their wrestling career. Absolutely, man. And, uh, well, at the end of the show, we'll get into all the new signings we have. But real quickly, I want to make mention that uh, we added one more for 2021. So uh, I just wanted to get tell that one real quick. The next one coming up is Monday, November 22nd, Axe and Smash Demolition. We're doing a live virtual signing with them. And then on uh, December the 13th was supposed to be our last virtual signing of 2021, Barry Windham. But I decided to add one more, Jay, and it's going to be a very virtual Christmas. I wanted to do a little something Christmas week for, uh, for all the viewers and, you know, have something fun. And we're definitely going to get in the spirit and do some fun stuff. Uh, I didn't want to have to fly anyone in Christmas week because, Jay, you know, the, the, sky, uh, the prices go sky high for air, airline tickets. So I, I, I looked locally people that live in, in my area, and uh, I thought it'd be fun to do a very virtual Christmas, and we're going to have Nunzio, Maven, and Snitsky roundtable style for a special Christmas episode of Monday Night Virtual on Monday, December 20th. That should be fun. That should be fun. Listen, the couple times that you've done the roundtable type signings, I feel like it kicks it up a notch because now not only do you have one guy sharing stories, but you got a group of individuals who have traveled the road together, have kind of shared some of these experiences, and the way they bounce stories off each other and the memories that come up because of that, it's like being a fly on the wall inside the locker room. And so I love it when you do that. Merry Christmas indeed, Maven, Nunzio, and Snitsky. Man, I don't know. If you would have booked Santa and Frosty, it might not have been as good as this one. Way to go, Tommy. <laughs> they, I mean, when you think Christmas, Maven at Nunzio and... That's what pops into my mind. It just screams Christmas, right? Yeah. Snitsky on the <laughs> shelf. I love it. Well, listen, real quickly, before we get into the amazing career of Brett the Hitman Hart, and I know that there's tons of callers on hold right now, I, I want to, to say something uh, real quick that I'm excited for. We just announced another ISPW uh, show for Friday, December the 10th in Butler, New Jersey. We're returning the Butler, and it's going to be called ISPW Christmas Chaos. And tickets just went on sale last night. They're available now on 80swrestlingcon.com. The main event is going to be a hot, hot match for all you uh, East Coast fans out there that are hardcore independent fans this one is a can't miss it's going to be crowbar going one-on-one with homicide and that's december the 10th now what i'm looking for the most day and we just announced this yesterday making his ispw debut in butler new jersey on friday december the 10th the doctor of style slick will be in the house for ispw christmas chaos he will be in the winner's circle, hosted by the winner, Andy Weinberg. We'll talk more about the, the show as well in upcoming weeks, but tickets are available now on 80swrestlingcon.com. But uh, enough of that. Let's talk about the man of the hour. The best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be, or was he? 
we want to hear your thoughts. And, uh, Jay, I'll kick it over to you so we can start it up. Well, let me tell you something, Tommy. When you bring up the name Brett the Hitman Hart, if you're a wrestling fan, you it gets your attention. You stand up. You get excited because there is so much to talk about Brett the Hitman Hart in his career. He was able to transition from a very successful tag team wrestler to one of the most accomplished single superstars that ever stepped between the ropes. And just to give you an idea of how hot of a topic this is, we're a few minutes into the show, and we're already six callers deep on the uh, Wrestling Collector Slam line, as it were. And so we're just going to dive in. We're going to go to the fans and, and get their take on it. Then if there's time left over, Tommy, you and I can share some conversation. But let's hit that Slam line. The first call takes us all the way out to the beautiful, sunshiny California. Brian, welcome back to the program, sir. How are you doing? Great. Jumpin' Jay, Tommy Wildfire Fierro. Uh, hey, glad Brian, to talk about Brett the Hitman Hart. Uh, everything uh, It show, actually Brian. is sunshiny this morning. Uh, with the time change, it's shiny and beautiful out. So That's what I like to hear, because the last couple of times you've called in, you've kind of ruined my, my picturesque idea of <laughs> California, telling me it's raining and it's cold. Uh, but I'm glad uh, the sun each, is shining. Each of those days... Each of those days turned into sunshine, so hey. Beautiful. Well, Brian, you're hey, the first uh, caller of the show, so start us off. What are your thoughts on Brett the Hitman? Oh, well, I'll talk about the early stuff. Basically, uh, Brett, growing up in a family with uh, 11 brothers and sisters, when he came along having five older brothers, two sisters, I'm sure they all bullied him, and then he had the king of bullies as his dad with Stu. So you talk about paying your dues. He started right off the bat paying his dues. And then uh, she, he was, uh, I think, 19 years old or so when he started. Uh, he had to be a ref for a couple of years, then filled in and got to be a, a wrestler and then made his, you know, had to pay his dues up in cold as hell Canada uh, several years. I think it was eight years or so before he came to WWF. And then he hit my favorite part of his career, which is when I started watching him, I got to uh, – well, I saw WrestleMania 2 on the Showtime replay, so I see him in there, the last guy getting tossed out by Andre onto his partner, jumping, you know, Jim the Anvil Nightheart. So I was like, well, this guy's pretty damn cool. And then the very first title change that I saw live was uh, when Danny Davis helped them beat the Bulldogs. And then me and my best friend, we were, we were all about the Hart Foundation when we were pretending which wrestlers we would be. He was uh, the Anvil, and I was the Hitman, so... He's always been a favorite of mine and one of the favorite, you know, first favorite heels that I had. And then uh, WrestleMania four with Brown turning on him, that, that excited the hell out of me. I was like, Oh, cool. Now the, one of my favorite guys is, uh, is going to be baby face or for me back then, of course, it's just, he's good. He's a good guy now. This is cool. So, uh, you know, right up on through the perfect SummerSlam, I see win. And then, uh, him beating my all-time favorite Roddy at WrestleMania eight. He just one hell of a career. And that's before he gets into the real chunk, you know, in the nineties, which all that other guys talk about. But yeah, my favorite, uh, when I think of Bret Hart, I think of uh, mid eighties and uh, first card I went to got to see him against his original WWF tag team partner, which the, when he first came into WWF, he was, he tagged up with dynamite. And so December 5th, 86, I got to see Dynamite Kid on his 
think it was his 28th birthday, December 5th. And that's actually, he, I think he died on his 61st birthday, December 5th, um, a few years ago. But uh, I got to see the Brett, Brett Hitman Hart beat Dynamite Kid at the first event I went to. They split the, the Hearts and the, and the Bulldogs up in the singles matches that night. So uh, lots of great memories about Brett. Hey Jay, I want to I, I want to let you know something. From now on, when Brian calls in from California, it's Brian the Brain because this guy remembers every date and everything that's happened. So he, he's now to be referred to as Brian the Brain from California. Brian, I, <laughs> I want to make mention real quick. You, you talked about Bad News Brown and uh, Bret Hart, and that's that's yes. when. That's when he first caught my attention too, and I just wanted to to just say like, that's how great you know old school before the internet, before the dirt sheets, pull all that stuff. Like just how great old school sco- uh, storytelling was, because all they had to do to turn Brett babyface, it, it was it was two heels left in the in the in the in the battle royal that they were gonna you know they were gonna they were gonna split it, and Bad News Brown turns on Brett. Now, two heels, and the crowd don't like either one of them. That's all he has to do is is, is turn on him, and now Brett's a baby face. I mean, rumblings of, you know, the, the fans starting to get behind him a little bit, but it, it, it was that that definitely catapulted him as a baby face. So I just wanted to say, like, how easy it was back then and, and just how how simpler things were when you just had to do something so simple like that, and then that automatically changed the entire audience's train of thought. Oh yeah, they, uh, he had the new ring attire that night with the uh, the black singlet over the uh, the, the pink uh, uh, tights, and then he had uh, they get the double high fives going, and the ghetto blaster smashes the trophy, and then uh, you know of course back then no again like you said no internet, so we had no idea that these two had worked together probably a couple hundred times in Calgary and knew each other well. But uh, you know that's that was a great turn and and it, it started him it, it kick started his singles in WWF and then he came back to you know he kind of got pushed back into a couple you know another run with the tag belts with Nightheart where it really took off when he uh, won the IC belt twice but uh, but no that was a that was great storytelling and it made the Battle Royal memorable for sure so anyway. Brian you guys the Brain first, from uh, California. I know that was yours. What about Jumpin' Jay? Well, I will tell you what. What I love about the career of the Hitman is he's the first wrestler that I feel like you got to grow up with, meaning you saw him grow from a tag team competitor to a single star, the IC belt, and he kind of matures and becomes the world champion. So I felt like he was the first wrestler that I was on the journey alongside, which – because of that, he holds a very special part in my in my wrestling memory book. I, I love that we got to see him grow and accomplish all these things. What a career. I mean, what a career. Yeah, like I say, at the beginning, it's like paying his dues, you know, not only that, you know, being one of 12 kids and being uh, five older brothers and Stu beating up on you. I'm sure his two older sisters were beating up on him, too, but uh you know, like Jake the Snake, a second-gen guy, having to be a referee before you get in and actually get to start wrestling. And then just that slow burn. It took, what, 17 years before he actually got to uh, 
win a world or 16 years before he won a world title. So this is this guy paid his dues, paid his dues, paid his dues for so long. He wasn't just uh, come in, win a world title, and be the hot new thing. So Brian, you have, you have, like Lex Luger and The Rock. Brian, you have no respect for him whatsoever, do you? <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a guy you can respect, and then you know, and that's the guy that Roddy, uh, you know, pushed and, and and got behind and gave a big push to, which I know Brett always uh, acknowledges and says how how appreciative he is. So, yeah, good stuff. Well, Brian, thank you for calling in. Like Tommy said, Brian the Brain. I mean, you are an encyclopedia. You're always a joy to talk to. Thank you for kicking off our show. With such a great conversation. Hey, you bet. And I don't have Facebook, but I watched some of that slick signing. That was great stuff. I loved his story about, uh, you know, guiding Fuji in religion, and I loved his story about uh, the possibility of of uh, uh, Bruiser Brody being with him, but that he'd already agreed to be with uh, the natural Butch Reed when he came in in '86. Like, really uh, fun, fun watch. So anyway, you guys have a great rest of the show and a great week. You too. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. Well, Tommy, the conversation is off to a hot start, and we still got plenty of show left. We got six callers waiting in the wings. This next one, I'm very excited to hear from, because Brett Hitman Hart, I feel like in rock star i feel like he's held up on this pedestal or at least in my mind he should be and so we're going to go to canada next with a longtime caller david from canada is joining us on the slam line david welcome back to the show uh, thanks so much guys how you doing hey david first of all i know i emailed you in sanction and i actually took a i took a screenshot of the the picture you made for jay and i texted to him i have it for him i'm going to send it out to him this week we just want to thank you very much for uh, he, uh, David is a, a very gifted uh, artist and he, he sent us some uh, some pictures as a token of his appreciation for the for the podcast and that was very nice of you thank you well of course guys no, it's, 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 yeah, it's my way of saying thank you to for what you do for the podcast and obviously Tommy for all you do with the signings and all that stuff thanks man Listen, David, I got to echo no Tommy's sentiments. We greatly appreciate it. And for those of you, I, I, I hope we can get a way to show, share this with everybody. He drew a picture, or at least the one that Tommy sent to me, is the iconic moment of Hogan and Andre, the stare down in the ring. It's absolutely incredible. I'm blown away. Thank you, David. Oh, you're, you're very welcome, Jay. I'm glad you like it. All right, talk to me about Brett Hitman Hart, because you're from Canada. I feel like he's elevated up there, or at least should be. What's kind of the Canadian take on Bret Hart? Uh, well, the Canadian take on Bret Hart is he's hands down, uh, and, and he is like a living legend up here. Especially, I mean, I'm, I'm in Ontario, which is several provinces away from Alberta, but uh, he's actually coming. Um, there's a card show in Toronto I'm going to this weekend that he's going to be at. Um, but he's, you know, wherever he goes, it's like royalty in Canada, right? Uh, you know, we even had a, a competition um, several years ago, which was like, you know, the greatest Canadian. And it was the Canadian television, like public television put it on. And he was on the list. Like he wasn't number one. But you know, talk about, you know, politicians who you know founded the country, people who have done like amazing charitable work, people who have done things to, you know, 
uh, build up different people or, or be the first people to do anything in their field in Canada. And, and Bret Hart made that list. And that, that's just how well-regarded he is up here. Wow. That's, I, I feel like that's the way it should be for him because I feel like he is this kind of homegrown hero type character. And I'm glad that that feeling hasn't worn off. Uh, before we start talking about his earlier career, David, let me just ask you this. During the Attitude Era, they did that angle where Bret Hart was kind of a heel down here in the United States, but in Canada and in other countries, he kind of portrayed the baby face. From your perspective being up there, how did that work? Did you enjoy that? Did that work for you guys? What was your thoughts on that? Well, well yeah, it absolutely did. I mean, because there's all, like, we love Bret Hart, you know, and it's, it's one of those people that heel face doesn't matter if people are going to love him up here. Um, and, and I think, you know, part of that is just the sort of Canada-America rivalry with a lot of things, right, where generally in sports especially, you know, America, you got more population and you're generally better, but, you know, except for hockey, but, but that's generally the thing. And, and so that, that, that rivalry exists. So being able to play on that, you know, works just works so well. I mean, even with the, um, you know, the way Shawn Michaels like disrespect the flag when he was up here, uh, you know, that kind of stuff, you know, people, people eat up, eat that up, right. Regardless of whether they, you know, nobody, we, we say like, nobody hates America. Like Canadians love America. Right, but we love that rivalry, and we and we love to pretend that we need, you know. Yeah, I get it. I, that makes total sense, and I, I like that up there. You guys were into that storyline because that was a risk. It was a gamble. That's something that's never been attempted before to be face in one demographic, but heel towards another. And so it was a very interesting time in his career. I'm happy to hear that you guys up there enjoyed it. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. And, uh, you know, he's just like everything, right? Like every time he, he's here and he's doing a thing or he'd come back for a match or, you know, the first Royal Rumble was in, was in Hamilton, uh, Ontario, and, and he was part of that, you know, and just that kind of thing, going back to it being like, man, these big moments. And it's like, here's a guy, too, that he's been part of so many things, but he always has worn the maple leaf on his sleeve. And I think Canadians really appreciate that because he's always had a love for the country. I mean, a lot of guys, there's been a lot of Canadians that have gone down and been successful in, you know, WWE, uh, WCW, AEW. But the other thing is, Bret Hart still lives in Canada. He, he didn't, you know, relocate to Florida. He lives in Calgary, right? And it's cold in the winter, but he's here, <laughs> right? He, he loves this country, and, and we love him for that. So, David, if you had to pick a moment or a memory from his career that stands out to you? It, could you narrow it down to one or maybe two iconic moments that you hold above the others? Well, I, I mean, I know these aren't 80s. Like in 80s, I think it's, it's, it's really the, the heart foundation, right? And I, I, to me, like the first time they wore pink uh, is, is a big thing. Uh, but for, for me personally, you know, the Montreal Screwjob is always going to be there. Um, and just because I have a memory of it, uh, as a kid, his, his WCW promo with, uh, Goldberg when he wore the steel plate. Yeah. Yep. I totally remember that. Taking that spear from Goldberg and revealing, uh, that plate. As long as you brought up his WCW run, I, I felt like this was at a time where WCW had more talent than they really knew what to do with. And that Bret Hart was underutilized there. What are your thoughts on his, his little stint there in WCW? And 
contrast that to his career with the World Wrestling Federation. Like, uh, how does that sit with you? Well, it, I mean, it doesn't sit that great. I mean, I, I you know, we know why he went and, and what happened there. But, but he, yeah, he was just underutilized. Like, I think you had a great opportunity, and they could have definitely made more with, his, you know, the aftermath of the Montreal Screwjob, if you will. Uh, but but they didn't. I really feel that was a real lost opportunity for WCW. And, I mean, Brett has admitted it multiple times that it didn't. he didn't like it. Like, he didn't really like being in WCW because of – the way he was used. Did he have some great moments? For sure. But when, you know, it's a moment here, maybe a moment there that you look back and think about, like that, that, that Goldberg promo. But the WWF run is what you remember, right? The Hart Foundation is what you remember. His feud with Shawn Michaels is what you remember. And then it's like, oh, yeah, he was in WCW for a while, wasn't he? <laughs> I hear you, man. Well, I'll tell you what, man. As always, we appreciate you calling in and uh, definitely, definitely enjoyed your perspective considering you're from Canada. So uh, uh, next week, I was announced, I guess now's a good time. Next week, we will not be uh, having an episode. Jay's going to be traveling on business. So we will not be uh, doing uh, next Thursday. So I just want to let everyone know. Dave, as always, thanks so much, man. And we'll be talking to you soon, all right? You bet. Take care, guys. All right, great. Have a good one. And up next is uh, someone that we know very well, another weekly caller, our boy here at the Wrestling Collector. We're coming to his hometown again on Friday, December the 10th, with the doctor of style slick, Danny from Butler. Welcome to 80s Wrestling, the podcast. Tommy, wildfire. How's it it going, Uh, guys? uh... Uh, always uh, love checking in, and uh, I'm definitely looking forward to uh, the next Friday, Tommy, in total and all, but definitely uh, December 10th uh, in my hometown. Oh, yeah. I, I really quickly, before we talk about Brett the Hitman Hart, I want to make mention, since we don't have a, a uh, episode next Thursday, uh, next Friday, November the 19th, will be a big ISPW wrestling show in Totowa, New Jersey, at the Totowa PAL we are going to crown an ISPW World Heavyweight Champion. It's going to be a championship rumble match, which is contested under Royal Rumble-style rules. 20 men will be entering. The last man uh, in the ring will be the ISPW champion. Commissioner Tito Santana will be on hand to make sure he's laying down the law and order. Crowbar goes one-on-one with Bull James, formerly Bull Dempsey from WWE NXT and the daughter of Terry Bam Bam Gordy Miranda Gordy will be making her New Jersey debut next Friday night in Toto, New Jersey when she goes one-on-one with the ISPW women champion Vicious Vicky we have a, a, a ton of other stuff on that show as well including Dangerous Danny Davis and Maven former WWE Tough Enough champion both of them guys will be coming out of retirement next Friday night in Toronto, New Jersey to be in the ISW Championship Rumble. But, uh, yeah, that's next Friday in Totowa. But today is the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. We were talking about the career of Bret the Hitman Hart. Danny, what are some of your favorite Bret Hart memories and matches growing up? Gosh, man, listen, uh, we you to give me the the whole day to to talk about um you know probably the greatest uh, in ring performer like when it comes to uh 
technical prowess. Um, you know, like I said, obviously, you know, the, the career spanned, you know, three decades. You know, we'll mostly talk about the 80s and, you know, the, his, his, the, the main, you know, success that he had went into the, you know, into the 90s. But, you know, obviously, you know, you know the, the first caller brought it up. You know, you talk about someone that, you know, came in and did it the hard way. You know, he came in, he paid his dues. Um, like I said, it, 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 you don't really see that anymore. Like I said, you got to, you know, grow up with this superstar from every single stage. You know, I coming in as a single, then you know, obviously, you know, you know, forming one of the greatest tag teams of all time, the the Hart Foundation, without a doubt. Um, the battles that they had coming up, you know, you know, the the Bulldogs, that was, you know, those two teams, you know, those those were le- legendary battles. Um, eventually, you know, you know, he turned, you know, turning babyface. Um, when bad, uh, when uh, bad news uh, backstabbed him at the the Battle Royal WrestleMania four. And, you know, obviously, you know, they, they try to push him for a little bit. He ends up going back to the tag team with uh, Nightheart. And, you know, they ended up winning a, a second title, you know, a tremendous match at SummerSlam 90 against Demolition. But then, like I said, obviously, you know, when I think about Brett, you know, his uh, his first two IC title reigns, you know, back-to-back SummerSlam classic matches with, with Perfect and uh, the British Bulldog. And that match uh, in 92... Uh, against the Bulldog, his brother-in-law, you talk about a, a savage steamboat type of match, you know, a match that definitely catapulted him to a, a different status for you because, you you know, remember, just like I think two, three months later, he's the world champ. He beats uh, Ric Flair in, in Saskatoon. And, you know, everything, you know, he was, you know, off to the races. You know, the guy, you know, like I said, he just a, a five-star across the board. You know, I'm thinking about, you know, you know, the, his uh, wrestling two matches at WrestleMania 10 against his brother, and then winning the title from Yoko, a legendary steel cage match at uh, SummerSlam 94 with, with Owen, and then, you know, all the way up to, you know, the you know the, the last, his last days with the WWF. I mean, who could forget WrestleMania 13 with uh, him uh, bringing Stone Cold to another level? And like I said, when I think about Bret Hart, you know, you think about, you know, when, you know, Vince always was pushing, like, the big muscle-bound guys as a champ. But, you know, we can remember Randy was the first, I guess, you know, smaller WWF champion. And, you know, I think he always talked about Randy, that the example he was as a champion, and he always looked up to him. And, you know, he definitely was able to take the torch when Hogan left in 92, and he definitely became the, the face of the company for the next five, six years. So, you know, Brett, def- Brett definitely did it all. You know, like I said, I think he was the second all-time Grand Slam champion next to uh, Pedro Morales when, you know, winning the tag team intercontinental on the world championship. So the guy's accolades definitely speak for himself. You know, he, I think he's definitely my all-time favorite when it came to all-time performers and just like a, a stand-up guy. You know, I, I just, you know, we could keep going on and on, but I know we have more callers, so I'm going to let them get their fill in. Well, Danny, before we let you go, let me ask you this. Anytime we're talking about a wrestler who has won multiple championships, I always like to get somebody's take on when you picture Bret Hart, what's the championship that you associate with him first? Like, what's the first one that pops into your brain? Is it the world championship because it's the big one? Is it the IC belt because he was such a wrestler's wrestler? Or do you go way back to the tag team gold? What's the first title that pops in your mind when you hear his name? 
You know, that's a good question because I think he, all those titles, he held them, you know, he held them, you know, he was a, a perfect representation. Um, if I, you know, I gotta, if I say, you know, if I have to think about him as the certain champ, I think you have to, I'll put the, you know, the IC title on him because that's the, you know, that's the title that's every, you know, that's deemed the workman's title. And he was such a, a great worker. And, you know, you look at it, I kind of compare him and Savage, you know, when I think their greatest moments came in defeat, you know, with, with Savage, when he lost his, when he dropped the title to Steamboat, that catapulted him to another stratosphere in the same with uh, Bret Hart with uh, Davey Boy. You know, that, you know, that match was, you know, you talk about a, a, a classic match, you know, those, you know, that that's my biggest memory of him. I think that, that would be my favorite match of Bret um, in all, I think next to, uh, Mr. Perfect at SummerSlam 91. So if I had to really put him, even though he was a tremendous WWF champ, that IC title run that he had, those two runs, you know, I think definitely solidified him as a single uh, superstar. Danny, I think that that was said beautifully because I'm the same way. I, I have incredible respect for his world title run, but I picture him as the IC belt because I felt like in everything he did, he was so believable in the stories he told inside the ring that you really bought into what he was doing. And I picture him with that icy belt and the battles it took to get it and retain it and then to lose it. So I love what you just said, man. I agree a hundred percent. Hey, real quick before you go, Danny, I was telling uh, Jay off the air uh, and I, I'll say it on the air now. Uh, a lot of a lot of, of of the customers that come into the wrestling collector, they listen to the podcast every week. A lot of them. I didn't realize it in, until this weekend, talking to people when they're waiting in line. And Danny was there, and Danny was talking, and and people recognized his voice, and they go, "Are you Danny from Butler?" I was, and I was struck <laughs> to hear that. I hey, love listen, you, man. I, you know, I gotta get, you know, I gotta get uh, some type of thing somewhere. I guess I'm doing something right here. If I, <laughs> my voice is uh, recognizable. I mean, it's not as raspy as Randy, but you know, whatever uh, little credit I get, I take it. I mean, one more, one more thing I wanted to add. Um, you know, we talk about uh, WrestleMania uh, eight with Roddy Piper. Um, you know, you got to look at, you know, how many times did you know Roddy actually let somebody pin him? Um, you know, I, especially in that time, you know, for him to do that for, uh, for Brett at WrestleMania eight. Like I said, I think that's the, that spoke volumes of what he felt, Brett, the respect he had for Bro, and what he tried to do for Brett, elevating him to that other level. And I, I know definitely Piper and uh, and and Brett were definitely close and respected each other. So that's a, like another point that I wanted to make regarding Brett. That's an excellent point because that shows you the type of respect he had among his peers. And you're right, Piper did not lay down for anyone. Just ask Hogan. And so the fact that he did that, you're right, Danny, that shows a tremendous amount of respect from one of the all-time greats to another all-time great. Well, like I said, guys, uh, I know you guys have got more callers. It's always a pleasure. I'm definitely going to miss you guys uh, next week. But like I said, I'll definitely be tuning in in two weeks. So uh, you guys uh, take care. Uh, Tommy, I'll see you, uh, uh, I guess, real soon. I'll definitely be there in total uh, next Friday. But like, I, for, for both of you guys, have a tremendous weekend. And, Tremendous weekend to keep us good work. Hey, Danny, Thank you, real, brother. real quickly, just to let you know, uh, uh, like, we, like I mentioned, we're not going to be on uh, next Thursday. The following week, it won't be on Thursday because Thursday is Thanksgiving. And if me and Jay do a podcast on Thanksgiving morning, I can guarantee you both of us will be sleeping on the couch. <laughs> so uh, at least I will be. So we're going to be doing it on, uh, on the uh, Thanksgiving Eve. 
and it's going to be a, a special uh, podcast because I'm going to be dropping a ton of exclusives for the live 80s wrestling con uh, coming May 7th in Morristown, New Jersey at the Menon Arena. We're going to be doing a preview for that show on, on Black on uh, Christmas, uh, I'm about to say Christmas Eve, Jay, on uh, Thanksgiving Eve, <laughs> and uh, tickets are going to go on sale on Black Friday, so we will catch you on Thanksgiving Eve. I'm definitely looking forward to that. I actually thought you guys were going to talk about the gobbledygooker instead, but you know what? I, I think I'll take that. <laughs> I can, I can talk about, we can talk about the gobbledygooker instead if you want. Now, now you know what? Like, keep, keep it at ease, man. Like I said, you guys are doing a tremendous job, and like I said, keep up the good work. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, brother. Can't wait to talk to you guys. Thanks, man. Man, the, the phone line is ringing and ringing and ringing. Jay, next up, we're going to go down to Hotlanta. Joe, welcome to 80s Wrestling, the podcast. This is Tommy Fierro and Jumpin' Jay. What's going on, man? Good morning, guys. How you doing? Good. How are you? Doing good. Tommy, what I think you should do, if I don't know your store, but if you don't have a stock of Bret Hart sunglasses, stock up on those because <laughs> those are memorable. Like, I, I, just watch tell you what. Saturday morning. Yeah, oh yeah, I'll tell you what. I don't. I don't have the and and, and I agree a hundred percent with you. I love the original ones, the the ones that WWF would sell in their catalog uh, back in the day. They don't have those. Those are really hard to find right now. If you could find them on eBay, probably like one hundred fifty, two hundred bucks if they're still new, sealed. But they have other ones that another company produces, and uh, they're pretty cool. And I, I I had some in the store, and they they did. They go super quick. And I, and I will say. A lot of people that come in the store always are asking or looking for Bret Hart. So he's definitely up there as one of the most requested guys for the store. But anyhow, uh, good morning. How are you? We're talking about Bret the Hitman Hart. Uh, the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. What are some of your uh, favorite memories and moments of the Hitman? Well, I I truly do respect him as a human being because I've watched a lot of his there's a lot of documentaries where he's talking as a real person about the wrestling business. Um, you know, I started watching WrestleMania three is my beginning point for wrestling. So I'll bet he was in a tag team match with the Anvil. Um, I, I start to remember real good at WrestleMania four. And I want to say he lost the battle Royal, but that trophy was broken in the ring. And I think Bret Hart is the guy who busted up the trophy against Bad News Brown. <laughs> if I'm wrong, I'll rewatch it today. <laughs> um, WrestleMania six was an interesting match because it's a real fast heart foundation match. I think it's literally a minute or less. They're against the Bolsheviks and they like clothesline one of the Bolsheviks and it's one, two, three and the match is over in a minute or less. So that's kind of a funny match. Um, uh, but I was saying that, like, if you, if you ever, like, watch him in, like, you know, documentary type stuff, one of the things, like, that I always remember he told pe- people that are really interested in becoming a wrestler or are in the wrestling business was he said there's three parts to, to, to break down how good a wrestler is in the business. And it's, one, their promo. It's, two, their character, which is, like, their gimmick, their name, and their attire. And it's three, their wrestler, their, their actual wrestling, their moves, et cetera. And that was like an incredible way to explain to somebody how good somebody was. And he's such a nice person that he even, 
critiqued himself, and he he says that his promos were no good. He says his character was, you know, on a scale of one to ten, you know, average or eight. And he and and he's right. His wrestling is like a ten. So it it was like a memorable way for me to know, like, how do you really critique? <laughs> how do you talk serious out of that stuff? So that was really cool. Um, and the other thing I want to say is I <laughs> uniquely watched the match of this Montreal Screwjob this week without knowing you guys were going to discuss Bret Hart. And I always, <laughs> I don't know about other people in this world, but I always question, like, because that's like one of the few things that is claimed to be real in a work business. And I always still question, like, like they could be pulling it over the wool over our eyes. Like, it, people on the inside of the business could know that that whole thing is a work, but I watched the match and really critiqued it to the end of the match. And personally, I still think it, it distorts. It's real. I think he really was pissed because when I watch him spit at Vince McMahon, like it, it, it's hard to explain over a phone call with you guys, but if you watch it, it's like, I, I, I sense like real anger in the dude rather than wrestling anger. So it's, uh, Montreal screw job is, forever going to be talked about i think i think you're absolutely right joe it's always going to be talked about and it can always be debated whether it was a work or not and i will tell you in my heart of hearts i feel like it was a real incident but one of the things that lingers is brett Man hart had an outside company shooting a like a biography or like a, a film of him called wrestling with shadows and in my mind I don't see Vince McMahon letting that documentary filming go on at that event if he knew that he really was going to screw Brett. And so that's a piece of the puzzle that I'm like, it doesn't make sense that Vince would let an outside company film portions of this if it wasn't a work. And so I'm, I'm not sure either way, but I think it was real. I think, I don't know, but you bring up excellent right. point, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like one of the, do you think we can have a conspiracy theory about in the wrestling? Well, which is interesting stuff. Um, which, which is, as a wrestling fan, it's kind of nice to have something that you don't know. Because so nowadays, so much is revealed to us that it's kind of nice to kind of have something that you can go, I think I know, but I don't really know. And so that's kind of just nice to have as a wrestling fan. Yeah. All um, right, one Joe. other thing, yeah. For, oh, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> nope. You you go. You had one more thing. Let's hear it. Last thing, yeah. I, I just promote to your listeners, like, YouTube, Bret Hart in the swimming, like, he's in a swimming pool. It's right before he goes to WCW, and he's kind of talking about, you know, how he's going to, how he, it was a big decision for him. And I once heard that he doesn't actually know how to swim, <laughs> which is kind of cool <laughs> or funny. <laughs> that is but, yeah, interesting like because... This, that that's from that wrestling with shadows documentary that I was talking about. And I, I was under the impression that that swimming pool was at his house. Maybe it's not, but that'd be interesting. Maybe he just walked or floated if he didn't swim. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Well, Joe, we appreciate Appreciate you calling in. Uh, Call in on, on other episodes, man. We'd love to hear from you. Okay. See you guys. Bye-bye. Tommy Fierro. The calls just keep coming in at the Wrestling Collector's Slam Line. We got about 15 minutes of showtime left. Right now, we're stacked five callers deep. So we're going to try to get to them all. So we're going to keep the conversation short and sweet. And I'm excited because the next three phone numbers, they've been holding on hold a long time. 
And according to my record keeping behind the scenes, they're all unrecognized numbers, first time callers to the show, maybe, or maybe, maybe from parts just, unknown. From parts unknown. And so we're going to take the first call. This is from area code 609. Welcome to 80s Rest. That's Jersey. Welcome to That's the one podcast. Of my Jersey boys. What's your name and what part of Jersey are you calling from? What's going on? Jumpin' Jay, Tommy, this is RJ from Marlton, New Jersey. Tommy, we spoke a few times. RJ, you tell Jumpin' Jay down there in Minnesota who, 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 run, who, who runs things up this, this way, brother. Ah, oh, dude, definitely Tommy, man. You're North Jersey, but as South Jersey boys, I have to agree with one thing. Tommy, we talked many times, and I love all the stuff you did for me if you want to touch base with Jumpin' Jay about that. <laughs> um, first time, long time listener of you guys. You guys are doing great. First time caller. Every time you guys do a show. I'm always at work, but today we're off. Um, RJ, so, thanks uh, for, RJ, thanks for calling in, and thank you for letting uh, Jay know who runs things up here. I, I don't mean listen. run things. I don't mean run things as far as wrestling goes. I just don't want him coming up here in May for the '80s wrestling con, thinking he's you know owning the entire state of New Jersey. <laughs> Let him know. Yeah, you know, man, I definitely, I definitely got to get up to the the wrestling con. I definitely got to make it to the store. I haven't been up there yet, but I do have to agree with Jumpin' Jay with one thing, Tommy. Like the caller last week, I'd never heard a wrestling eye before either, man. Yeah. Oh, come on. That's what I wanted yes, to know. Yes. Dude, Thank my you, top, RJ. My top wrestling magazines down here, man, were, were, you know, the WWF magazine, which I bought many from you on the online auction, <laughs> and always with the Hitman on the cover, and, um, you know, the Monday Night Raw magazines. That's all we I had down here, dude. I never that. saw a wrestling eye. Never this, saw this a wrestling is... eye until not until lately. I got a whole big tub. But I do want to bring up to you about the guy at work gave me a whole huge tub full of magazines. So definitely got to get up there and check, have you check them out. Definitely, man. So we're talking about Brett the Hitman Hart. What, what, we can only talk for a minute because we have to get in the other calls. What, what's your favorite or few favorite Bret Hart memories or moments? Oh, man, there's so many to begin with, but I know you guys get other callers. He is up there, number one, top five of all time for me. Always been as a face, as a heel, as tag team. It's always Hitman, and you know, man, you hear that, you hear that freaking guitar kick in, and let's steal a quote from the good old Jr. Man, business was about to pick up, and you know, five-time champ, two-time tag, two-time Intercontinental, two-time WCW, two-time Hall of Fame inductee, and first ever King of the Ring. The dude had it all. He was just a, literally the ex- excellence of execution. But um, my Look, one of the ones I go to a lot is WrestleMania 9. WrestleMania 9 was always a favorite of mine. And I remember WrestleMania 3, 5, and 9, I rented so much from the video store back in my day, they just gave them to me. So <laughs> they were uh, pumping, like, everything, man. Like, the, the, the feud he had with his brothers and brother-in-law, like Owen and Bulldog, R.I.P., um, there was real emotional in that Wembley match of SummerSlam 92 with him and Bulldog and his sister. Oh, man, like I could still watch that and still get goosebumps and emotion, even though I'm 36 years old now and I know kayfabe. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, everything, the screw job was great. Even as a heel, he hated fans. I loved it. I loved everything that guy was doing. And the Stone Cold feud, I think he was a big part of putting Stone Cold over and making him huge. You know, that WrestleMania 13 match with the submission match. And there it is, like Shamrock being the guest referee. He's in Steve's face, like, do you submit? There's the blood of running down his face Why Hitman has him in the freaking sharpshooter. Gold. Everything the Hitman did was gold, man. Like, I can't stress it enough. I 
love watching all the stuff on the network, all the documentaries, the screw job. I'm actually watching um, all the stuff on the network, like in order. And I'm almost at the screw job. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into that. <laughs> awesome, man. We appreciate you listening to the show and, and definitely appreciate you calling in and sharing some of your uh, favorite Bret Hart memories and moments. And definitely when you get a chance, man, step up to the store. I will, man. But, uh, yeah, like I said, Jay, uh, you guys are awesome every week. Let's see. I look forward to seeing you. When I heard I was off today and I saw the, the topic, I'm like, I definitely got to try to call in and talk awesome. to you guys about my well, favorite thank you, all man. Time. We appreciate it, brother. No thank you. No problem. Keep up the Man, the calls just keep coming. I love that we're finding more and more about this wrestling eye, and it's sketchy. Oh, stop it, stop sketchy it. Sketchy circulation. I want to, I, whoever the next caller is, I have no idea who it is. Jay's <laughs> controlling the, the phone line, so I don't see the area code. Next person, get ready to answer. The first thing you're going to answer when you come on is, have you, have you ever not heard of the Wrestling Eye magazine? This is going to be a very interesting question because this is an unknown uh, caller to the show, but according to the area code, it's from down in South Carolina, which is below South Jersey. So if South Jersey's not getting the wrestling eye, it's qu- highly questionable if South Carolina is. But we're going to the caller now. Welcome to the show. What's your name and where are you calling from? Tommy J. This is Matt from Taylor, South Carolina. Hey, Matt, what's going on, man? How are you? Good, buddy. How are y'all? Good. Uh, before we get into the Bret Hart topic, I have to know and tell Jay, have you or have you not, drumroll, heard of the Wrestling Eye magazine? No, I actually grew up in Northwest oh. Indiana, so oh, outside of Chicago, so I have not heard of it. Come no, on, I don't know man. if it's around here, but when I, was, when I grew up there, I did not see it. And my mom used to, I'd have go, I'd go grocery shopping with her, and she'd drop me off on the magazine aisle so I wouldn't buy anything, and I would just sit there and read all the wrestling magazines. <laughs> so I don't remember that one, man. I'm sorry. That's all right. That's all right. You have nothing so to apologize about... for, man. I appreciate it. Hey, take it easy there. The next caller, get ready, next caller, for your answer. All right, brother, <laughs> we're talking Bret Hart. What are your favorite Bret Hart memories and moments growing up? I think for memories, uh, for me, it was actually a house show when I was a little kid. I was about 10 years old, and they went to, I went to a house show in Chicago at the old Rosemont Horizon. Um, they would come several times a year. And when I went, uh, they were wrestling the Bulldogs. And that was when Dynamite Kid got hurt. And so Davey Boy's tag team partner was old school wrestler The Crusher. And my dad was a big fan of the Crusher and the Bruiser, and he would—he uh, went crazy when he heard about it. And I'm like, "Who is this guy?" You know. And uh, I was just a little kid, and I just remember looking back at it and going, "Like, man, there were so many iconic wrestlers in that ring," <laughs> and it was just—it just floors me. And that's—that's that's one of my biggest memories. But altogether, you know, there's so many memories about him and I think it's because we all just grew up with him we watched him you know develop at least at my age I'm 43 and we watched him as a tag wrestler and then go into the singles then go back to tag and then go back to singles and just blow up and become a mega superstar and just watching that development 
is the biggest memory for me. I mean, it was it's it's like we grew up with him. That's exactly what I was saying earlier in the episode, Matt. He is a wrestler that you felt you were on that journey with him, and you got to see his career develop. You got to see him overcome obstacles, and everything he did brought you in. You believed it, the stories he would tell. So I'm 100% on board with you, Matt. I feel like he was the wrestler we grew up with, and kind of as we grew up, his career was growing up, and he just accomplished so much, and you were there for every step of the way, which is rare because sometimes a guy comes in and he immediately gets a main event push, or they try him out and he doesn't get the best reaction, and so they switch his character or they try something else. Bret Hart was Bret Hart, and you got to see his skills develop, and you got to see his career advance. And so, yeah, I feel like we were right there with him, Matt. I agree with you 100%. Yeah, and he didn't change at all. Exactly what you're saying. He was he was Bret Hart day one till the day he retired. He was Bret Hart. He wasn't any other gimmicks. He didn't try anything else. He was just Bret Hart. And and I love it. And I think that's what helps cement his legacy is his career. Like you said, he came in as Bret Hart. He left as Bret Hart. There's no weird gimmick changes. There's no you know weird costume changes like. He was what he was. He took his job serious. He portrayed that character. You bought into it. When he was a babyface, you cheered for him. When he was a heel, you booed him, but you kind of still thought he was cool, and so you kind of still appreciated what he was doing. I don't know if you if you could pick a career. If you were going to be a wrestler and you could pick a career to kind of follow along, I don't think you could go wrong if you mimicked and had a career that followed the same elements as Hitman. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. Well, Matt, we appreciate you calling in. Thank you for sharing. I hope you have a wonderful day down there in South Carolina. Please tune in to future episodes and give us a call back when you get a chance. Thank All right. You again, Thanks man. for having me, guys. You guys have a great week. All right. Tommy, we got two calls left on hold. The first call is a first-time number that I don't recognize, but the area code tells me it's from New York City. That's close to New Jersey. This might be a guy or gal that's heard of the wrestling eye. So let's go now to New York City. Caller, what's your name? Welcome to the show. Hey, everybody. My name is Ramey, uh, first-time caller. I got to say, I have not heard of that magazine. Oh, but... Yes! Look Mother! This, Tommy! You're supposed to be, you, we're supposed to be East Coast repping here, my man. <laughs> I understand that. But listen, I was very poor growing up, so we never got to see any kind Oh, of come on. Listen, yeah. unless you I lived in Tommy's to neighborhood, you didn't see this magazine. Well, listen, brother, I'll tell you what. I, I, I'm right in New Jersey at the Wrestling Collector Store right now. Next time you're in the area, you come to my store, and I'll hook you up with a Wrestling Eye magazine, all right? Yes. Uh, yeah, I cannot wait to get out to your store. I've been, like, following it on IG and just, like, memory lane, like a nostalgia going there. I was going to mention the Hitman glasses, but I'm glad that you guys were like, you know what? We tried to have that at the store, and we're like, it's, it's a good seller. Nice. Hey, man. I, hope, I hope we hope to see you. Uh, we're doing 80s WrestleCon live in May, uh, May 7th at the Menon Sports Arena in Morristown. We're going to have tons of updates in two weeks on this. But Jesse the Body Ventura is going to be there, Jake the Snake Roberts, the fabulous Rougeau brothers. We got tons of stars booked. So it's right in Jersey. We're going to do the convention in the daytime, and then we're going to do the live ISPW wrestling at nighttime. Since you're in New York, man, you got to come to it. 
Oh, definitely, man. I, I saw the typhoon was there. Buddhist Barber Beefcake was there recently. So I was just like, yo, I got to get out there eventually. I'm going to just like sneak away from the wife and take the car out there and then visit you guys. Absolutely. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what. You, you just tell your wife you're going Christmas shopping. You need an afternoon. <laughs> and what you do is in the morning time before she wakes up, you go on Amazon, order a couple things. That way you, you have the gifts and then you can spend your afternoon at the wrestling collector. I, I feel like you've done this before and, and like I'm definitely <laughs> – <laughs> Taking the advice, man. Appreciate it. Um, Got it, bro. Uh, Bret Hart moment for me is like it's tied in two ways. The first one obviously is like WrestleMania 10. Loved seeing like him put his brother over, then carried out by his peers on the shoulders at the end of WrestleMania. Thought I was going crazy. I loved it, and he was like the champion again. Um, second one is definitely King of the Ring, the first King of the Ring champion, Bret Hart. You know, uh, I was watching that uh, entire sequence, hoping that he was going to win that. Obviously, he gets roughed up by Jerry Lawler at the end of the show, but I thought that was just awesome. Um, the only thing that I thought was just like, you know, you got to say always the best with the bad. I think for me, where I kind of just like this is like awkward is when he joined NWO. I, I never saw him as an NWO person. It just looked like it didn't fit. And I think that's like where I kind of like lost that like mantle I had put Bret Hart on. I, I don't know. I don't know if that was for you guys too. I would agree. I think his he's such a World Wrestling Federation guy that even seeing him in WCW, something didn't feel right if you were a wrestling fan. It looked out of place. And then yeah. I feel like he was misused in there. And then the NWO, as amazing as the NWO was for, for wrestling, towards the end, it felt like they were just putting pieces in and kind of plugging whoever to try to keep it going. And I think Bret Hart is one of those guys, too, that you're right. It just didn't look right on him. It just didn't sit well. But his whole WCW career, I think, is kind of like a footnote. I think in all of our hearts, we'd have loved for him to stay at part of WWF. And I think he would have liked to stay. It didn't play out that way. But but I agree. That whole NWO, the whole WCW thing, you kind of, you forget about it when you're covering the career of Bret Hart is what you actually do. You do. It's it's it's, it's, yeah. it's crazy, but it's definitely but it's part of it. Like it's part of the story. So uh, definitely look at it as a whole. I think, but for sure, like growing up, this was a dude that I de- like me and my brothers. We rooted for. We were 100 percent behind. We loved seeing his matches. I loved seeing the Mr. Perfect like rise from there. That match against him when he won it in SummerSlam, going on yes. and becoming like a decorated WWE champion it was amazing. Yes, I agree. I just, listen, Bret Hart is one of those guys that when you start going down memory lane, you find yourself getting excited and amped up because he had so many of those moments that stood out and that were amazing to watch as a fan. And so there's going to be a lot of people today who are listening to the show that's going to go watch some Bret Hart highlights because you can't help but get excited and want to see it again. Definitely. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you, man. All right, Tommy. We're down to our last caller. He's oh, been hold on, hold on. Oh, hold, hold on. on, hold on, brother. This is, la- this is the last call, right? This is the last caller on okay. the slam line. All right, because the been- last call has to be Team Tommy here because everyone has said no to the Wrestling Eye magazine. Now, can you just tell me the area code on that telephone? Well, I'll tell you. It's it's from Canada. Okay. Oh, that's, that doesn't matter. If you're a hardcore I, wrestling fan or a collector, you've heard of the Wrestling Eye magazine. I, well, I, I, hope, I hope for your sake he has, but if, if the magazine's having a hard time making it from North Jersey to South Jersey, I don't see it getting over 
the the board. Listen, but, listen, but listen. We're going to try. Maybe it's you... Brett Hart. It's, it's, it's a Canada number. It could be Brett. And Brett has been on the cover of Wrestling Eye Magazine. So let's hope this is the Hitman calling in right now. Well, it might be the Hitman, but it's not Brett the Hitman. It's Corey the Hitman from Canada. Corey, welcome back to the show, brother. Hey, guys. Great, great. Uh, thanks for having me. This has been great. I had to call in when I saw it was Brett Hart being Canadian. He is a national treasure, as you know, next to Iron Mike, next to Iron Mike Sharp. Uh, and we absolutely <laughs> did have the wrestling. We absolutely had the wrestling eye in Canada. Yeah, I used to buy it as a kid. Yeah, score one for Tommy. Absolutely, I yeah. Uh, I grew up I here did, in Toronto, I, I and we had them all. Yeah, Corey, thank you, brother. So I had to call in because, um, first of all, as I mentioned last time, I've been listening to you guys from the start. It's great, and I love that you do this because I'm such a huge '80s wrestling fan. And uh, I was actually at the Montreal Screw Job. Legitimately, I was there because I went nice. to college in Mon- I went to call I went to college in Montreal, and um, that was uh, it was guys it was in '97 and we got tickets to Survivor Series. Okay, um, pause, a, a pause, 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 pause real quick. I know I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you off. What uh, what I want to know is before you start telling the story, I want to know what happened. What was your initial thought when when you saw it happen? Uh, people around you, but more importantly. I would like to know what the people were talking about as you were leaving the arena and walking back to your car. So I'm, I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you off. I, just, I really would love to hear that firsthand perspective. Absolutely. Listen, as we were going, we were sort of, I guess you could say we were caught off guard. We didn't really know what happened. And the interesting thing was, you know, some of my buddies didn't go to the show, but they were at a bar nearby. And we went to meet them after. And they were saying, hey, what happened? Like as soon as the match was over, it just cut off. The pay-per-view just shut down right away instantly so they didn't see what happened behind the scenes i was there Bret hart was smashing the the teleprompters and and all, all, all you know everything he was smashing the tables he walked back into the ring and with his i'll never forget with his um index finger he started writing out the letters wcw in the air letting everybody know where he was going next so it felt like uh, it definitely was real and it, and it happened for real it was uh the, and the fact that my friends had mentioned that the pay-per-view had got cut off immediately as it ended um, led me to believe that something went down there that wasn't supposed to, but uh, it was the ultimate schmoz. He didn't really know what was going on. We were all kind of discompobulated. It, it, was, it was a weird experience, but uh, looking back on it now, it was you know pretty cool to see, obviously, right? Now, but we didn't know at were, the time that it was really. When you were leaving, when you were leaving the arena, like as you're walking in the in the in the hallway, and then you're walking to the parking lot, what what is what, what's the general consensus from people? From other fans that you're hearing, are they saying this is effing bullshit? Are they saying screw WWE? Are they saying Brett screwed Brett? What, what are they saying that the people live there as you guys are exiting the arena and, and getting back to your car? You know, it's a, it's a great question, but it, it, I guess it hadn't even registered yet. We didn't realize until really after the fact what it so happened. Was in right? shock. It happened so we were kind of in shock. Yeah, yeah, that was it. And we were so just like, ending was, the arena, like not really. Like, not really sure what happened. Like, it was just like quiet, like it was like quiet as you were leaving. Everyone was just like walking. Well, everybody stayed because you know when usually when a pay per view ends, like Shawn Michaels won the title, sure. usually he'd be there holding up the title and yeah. he'd be giving his due. But it, like I said, the pay per view ended immediately, and then it was he Brett started trashing everything, and uh, everyone stuck around and was cheering really loud for Brett. You know, like I, 
that everyone was chanting his name, you know, Brett, Brett, Brett. And uh, it, it was just, it caught us off guard. And it was something we weren't expecting. And I, I, and I guess it was also just everyone was like in a, a state of confusion because you, you, you're not, you know, you're not accustomed to seeing a, a, a wrestling match, never mind a, a main event of a marquee match on a pay-per-view end that way. So I guess you guys were like leaving there, like kind of like dumbfounded, right? Yeah, yeah, but it was a strange experience for sure. We didn't really know. And then the whole Brett screwed Brett thing and all that stuff came, like I said, much afterwards, right? So um, we didn't realize in the moment what we were watching. So it's kind of cool looking back on it now, obviously. But at the, at the moment, no, it didn't really register. Yeah, huh. that's that's interesting. Yeah. I'd, like to, I'd like to hear that firsthand perspective. Hey, man, thank you so much for calling in, and I hope you have a great weekend. Cheers, guys. All the best. Thank you. Thank you, Corey. Man, the man was at the Montreal Screwjob. He got to see it firsthand. And very good follow-up questions, Tommy. Very good journalism on your side. Because i got to believe, if you're there live, you really don't know what's happening. And you probably walk away scratching your head going, what did we just see? I'm a journalist now. Yeah, you're, you ask the hard-hitting questions. The things people want to know, Tommy Fierro finds out. <laughs> well, hopefully in two weeks, the things people want to know are all the happenings and all the different events and activities we're going to be doing at the live 80s wrestling con on May the 7th at the Menon Sports Arena, Morristown, New Jersey. The convention is going to be in the day, ISW Wrestling at night, and uh, we're going to talk about that on Thanksgiving Eve, we're going to do a special Wednesday morning uh, episode since uh, Thanksgiving is on Thursday. We will not be taping uh, next week. Jay's going to be traveling on business, so we'll be off next week. CJ, I don't, I don't, I don't team up with another partner. So if there was a an injury and I was working the house show, and just say we were the, you know, the rockers, I was Shawn Michaels, and obviously you were Marty Jannetty. Um, <laughs> what's funny, man? I love that, man. The, the ironic thing, listen, the ironic thing is, as a kid, Marty Jannetty was my preferred rocker. And yeah, so, yeah. I, and that didn't turn kid. out too well for me in the long run. But I, I just don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to do a podcast if it, if it's not with you. So I, well, I can I wait a week. I appreciate that, brother. And the I business I'm on, the business I'm on is I'm going to be scouring this great nation of ours looking for the wrestling eye everywhere I go. I'm going to ask people on the streets, have you heard you of this? And you I'm going to bring back the official poll. Yeah, you don't, you don't have to travel too far because you can get one right here at the Wrestling Collector in beautiful <laughs> Stockholm, New Jersey. That's right. It's always sunny in Stockholm, New Jersey. Come grab your wrestling eye. I like that. Yeah. Well, man, well, I'll tell you what. What an what a episode. I, I really enjoyed it. We didn't even get a chance. Dude, we didn't even get a chance to talk about Bret Hart. I, Is that I you, Tommy? One word Tommy are you on the show today? Yeah, man. You we didn't even get to you, connect. You, you wouldn't know if I hated Bret Hart. You wouldn't know if I loved Bret Hart. I didn't get to I say no one idea. word about Bret Hart today. I, but you know what I love? Listen, I love that the listeners of this show, one, they're passionate. Two, they're very informed. And so they can have, they carry the weight of the show. You and I, we don't even need to do any show prep anymore. We just put out a hot topic and we just sit back and we get to listen to awesome people talk about things we love. We get, this is a great gig we got, Tommy. <laughs> yeah, it is. I'll tell yeah. you what, man. I'll be honest, to be honest with you, although I would have liked to talk about Brett and his career, I, 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 I enjoy 
listening to the to the uh, callers and and I, I see myself you know sitting here shaking my head to myself as they're talking nine times out of ten. So I, I enjoyed the live a- aspect of uh, of the call-ins and 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 I think a lot of other people did too. So uh, uh, whatever, we're, we're we're the hosts. We 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 answer the phones, you know. That's all we had. Listen. When uh, Danny from Butler was on, and you were telling the story about how his voice gets recognized from the podcast, I'm over here going, I can walk around my hometown saying I'm Jumping Jay from 80s Wrestling, the podcast, and nobody gives me another look. Danny's in line just having conversations, and people pick on uh, his vo- pick up on his voice and know who he is. And so I love well, that callers are getting recognized. When, when, when you're at the, uh, at the Live 80s Con in May, I guarantee you, once you start talking, everyone's going to know that voice. And if you don't know my voice, just look for the tallest man in the building, and it's going to be Jumpin' Jay when he makes his return to the great state of New Jersey for 80s Wrestling Con. Jay, if we ever do a gimmick, uh, we could do like a uh, – I could be like Shawn Michaels, and you could be Diesel. You could be my bodyguard. Let's do it, man. I'll be Big Daddy Cool. You can be the sexy boy. I'll, I'll watch you dance around the ring while I stand there with my arms crossed. With my shades Jay. on. Jay. Yeah. I am the sexy boy, buddy. So, hey, listen. It's interesting that you're ending <laughs> today's show talking about Shawn Michaels after we just talked about Bret the Hitman Hart. We didn't talk about Bret Hart, but you're leading me on to believe that maybe you were more of a Michaels fan than a Bret the Hitman Hart fan. But I guess that conversation will have to wait for another day. Well, no, well, I will say, no, I was a, I was a Brett fan, absolutely, absolutely was a Brett fan, was a, a big Shawn Michaels fan as well. Uh, I, I, I will say one thing. I know we're, we're running a little late today. Uh, I, I will say that um, my take on that whole Montreal school jo- uh, screw job is that I don't care, and this is no disrespect to Brett, because I think he's one of the greatest ever, 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 and I love his work, love, I love everything about him, but. Let me ask you a question, Jay. If this was all a shoot, if this all this stuff legit happened, and and I'm saying that because there's always a chance that, and, and anything that it can be a word. So if this is what really happened, look at it from outside the wrestling bubble. You know, you go to your job that you've been at for many many years, and you you find out that you know one of your coworkers, you know, is being a piece of shit to you behind your back and spreading rumors about you, even maybe keyed your car, you know, whatever. I'm just making up examples. So you go to work and your boss tells you that you have a very, very, very important project that you have to work on that's due by the end of the day. And it's crucial to the company that this project gets done and you are going to be working on it with, the guy that the person has problems with that, uh, you know, he might have keyed his car or whatever. You just can't, you know, say, I'm not going to work with him. Uh, it, the real world doesn't work that way. You, you just, just because you have personal problems with someone uh, doesn't mean you, you can't coexist with them and do your job when you were asked to. And I don't mean that in no, 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 no disrespect. And I don't mean it in a bad way. I'm saying in the real world, uh, if, if you say no to a job, you're fired, you know, but it, what if you were, what if you, Tommy, were told you had to do a big job or give that guy credit in your hometown? And you said, well, boss, man, I, I'm willing to do the job. I'm willing to do the work and give him credit. But can we do it in a place where I'm not 
where I'm not from. Can we do it the next night <laughs> in town? Right? Because wasn't that ultimately what it was, is Brett didn't want to do the job in Canada? I don't know what it was. But at the end of the day, man, wrestling is a work, and um, you just, you know, you do what the boss asks you to do at the end of the day. That's just, that's just my opinion. Uh, here's, here's my feelings on the whole thing. At the end of the day, whether it was a shoot, whether it was a work, it did not hurt the legacy of Bret Hart. If anything, oh, no. it kind of, right? And so you got to look at it in the grand scheme of things, whether it really happened or it didn't really happen. I tend to think it did. It didn't hurt his career. It didn't hurt his legacy. Yeah, it caused a rift, a separation for a great number of years. But Bret Hart will always be on the top of the list when you talk about amazing wrestling careers. And so it oh, didn't man. hurt him. We're no still question. talking about it this many years later. So it's all good. Oh, man. Jay, and, and, and again, I didn't mean no disrespect on what I said. Oh, I think Bret is one of the greatest ever. I'm just saying, in my opinion, because everyone has their own opinion on the Montreal Screwjob, I just think that no matter what the, the problem was, you know, if the boss asks you to do something, you do it, and that's it. It doesn't matter if it's your, you know, there's a ring set up outside the house of your childhood home, you know, like <laughs> you, just do, you just do what you're told, you know, like that's all I mean. I don't mean nothing. That, does that explain it better or no? No, I get exactly what you're saying. Just, and you're right. Just, you're a professional. You're paid to do, do a job. Yeah, that's it. That's yeah. all that's all I meant. But nothing taken away from Brad. Brett is, you know, this morning as I was driving up to work, I'm thinking about the Brett Hart episode and his his catchphrase, the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. And I said to myself while I'm driving, I go, Was he? And then the, even the in in the in, in, in the that's very, 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 you know, the highest praise ever and say your best there is, best there is, best there ever will be. You really can't say any in particular person was because there's different ways to to generate that on and to right. to judge it on. But I said to myself, he 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 might have been. And just for me to say that to myself, when I ask myself that question means that he is one of the, the greatest of all time. And obviously he is because of the amount of calls we got today. And uh, yeah, he'll go down without question, one of my favorite guys to ever watch as well. I love it. And I'm, if I was a betting man, I'm guessing we'll be covering more of Brett the Man Hart somewhere down the line. Amazing episode, Tommy. Thank you to all the callers. Thank you, Tommy, for uh, hanging out and talking Hitman with us. I know you've got so much on your plate. You've probably got a horde of people banging on the wrestling collector door, waiting to get inside. Uh, but good luck with uh, all is the things you have coming up. That, I can't. Is that Steve Blackman? He's out there. He want he wants I, in. I think, I think Steve Blackman might be outside my window right now. Well, it's a man that looks like Steve Blackman. Well, you you want to you want to open the door on air just in case you need assistance or you're you're comfortable. Well, I you know, let me go in the back and see if I have some cheese I can put on my head first, and maybe <laughs> <laughs> until uh, I would say until next week we won't be here next week. Uh, Jay will be traveling on business. And uh, we will return on Thanksgiving Eve, a special Wednesday holiday episode of 80s Wrestling Podcast. Until then, guys, have a great day. Have a great weekend. And uh, we'll catch you next time.